welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. Happy Sunday. So good to see you on here. So thankful for you. Thankful for our community today. I hope that you uh, loved communion. I know we did it during our worship experience today. I hope that was powerful for you, encouraging you. This is day 15 that we've been taking communion in our 21 days of communion. You still can join us. If, if you haven't, uh, if you didn't know about it, we've been in 21 days or moving forward towards 21 days of communion every day. We are encouraging our community, those that are connected to us at Kingdom Culture, to take part in that. So if you're hearing about it for the first time and today was your first time taking communion with us, let's let's go for it. The next six, seven days uh, left of our 21-day challenge, I want to encourage you to take part. I just believe that there's power in the act of communion. And not only does our relationship get stronger with God, our faith for life and what God has for us in life gets stronger. We do this to remember and put Jesus back into the front seat of the vehicle of life that we are all driving each and every day. So I want to encourage you to take part in this and join us and be a part of it. Every day you could be alone with your family, with your spouse, Whatever the case may be for you, just do it. I know that it will be great strength for your life. Of course, today is Halloween, and uh, I know there's so much um, uh, tension out there between should believers in Jesus be celebrating Halloween, and I just want to say this, that there's one ghost that we need to love the most, and his name is the Holy Ghost otherwise known as our spirit guide, guiding us into all truth, the truth of who Jesus is. He's also known as our counselor, as our comforter, otherwise known as the Holy Spirit. And uh, he's the one we worship by, according to Philippians 3. We can't even know Jesus except by the Spirit. We have the same Spirit, Romans 8, verse 11, that dwells in us. Uh, His name is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And so he's the ghost we're leaning into on this day, every day, in fact. I mean, communion is just that. It's reminding us. It's reminding us of the person of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings to the forefront all the reminders of all that Jesus is to our life each and every day. So I want to encourage you on this Halloween day to celebrate the Holy Ghost, lean into the Holy Ghost, and love your city, love your your neighbors, love your community, and just release a Holy Ghost blessing everywhere you go today, because he is the best, and uh, he is the one leading our lives. And so today we're talking about something that I'm really passionate about, and always have been, and I think a lot about, and that is this idea of loyalty. I think a lot about loyalty. Loyalty is like perseverance to me. When you are perseverant in an area of life, 
It's as though you are loyal to that area of life. You're loyal because you are able to persevere no matter what. Loyal to a cause, loyal to a mission, loyal to a vision, loyal to a goal, loyal to a group of people, loyal to a friend or even a spouse, to your kids, and the list goes on. To be loyal, write this down, and I believe this with all my heart, is to be perseverant. To be loyal is to be perseverant. It is an incredible kingdom virtue that we see throughout Scripture. It's wrapped up in so much of all the kingdom virtues that we are to live by. And uh, I, I love this because when thinking about what is loyalty, there is this book by Josiah Royce um, in, in from 1908 called The Philosophy of Loyalty. And he pre presents a different definition of the concept. And I want to read a part of that concept to you written by Josiah Royce in this 1908 book, Philosophy of Loyalty. The short definition that he gives of the idea is that loyalty is the willing and practical and thoroughgoing devotion of a person to a cause. Loyalty is a thoroughgoing in, or loyalty is thoroughgoing in, and that it is not merely a casual interest, but a wholehearted commitment to a cause. I love that, a wholehearted commitment to a cause. Loyalty is faithfulness or a devotion to a person, country, group, or a cause. And we see actually all of this and everything that Josiah Rice writes in this little, the short definition that I just read, we see this actually throughout Scripture. Um, it's, it's represented in Scripture, the truth of these words, and I love how he writes it. But in Proverbs chapter 3, we have Solomon, the wisest of all leaders in that time, in that time frame, who wrote the book of Proverbs, writes this in chapter 3 of verse 3, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Don't lose your grip. It's easy to let love and let loyalty go. In fact, I love how there's a, a connection in the message translation between love and loyalty. I don't think you can have loyalty without love. And I don't think you can have love without loyalty. I think they go, and I believe they go together. Don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck. Tie them. Like, put them on, wear it every day. When you wear something every day, every time you look in the mirror, you see it. You're reminded that it's a part of your journey, a part of your walk. Carve their initials on your heart. Like, like let it so, go so deep that you can't take it out again. Carve it. Carve it on your heart. Earn, I love this, earn a reputation, and we'll get into this in a second. Earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and the eyes of the people. Why? Because reputation is directly connected to loyalty. And we'll get into that, like I said, in a few moments. I want to speak today on the importance of looking out for each other and building healthy, consistent, long-lasting relationships and learning about like what it looks like to trust God in people that he has put around us believing the best when people spread the worst, standing up versus standing down, fighting for each other when some may be giving up, taking a hit for those you care about. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. This is our subject today, unlocking relational wealth. Unlocking relational wealth. And I want to talk about the reputation of loyalty, the reputation 
of loyalty. There's something about, you know, wealth, we often think of wealth as money, and it's not. I'm scripturally speaking, wealth is, there's wealth in relationships, wealth in health, wealth in so many areas of our life. And I believe there's relational wealth. Like, I think the, the, the most wealthy people in the world are those with rich relationships, not only in family, but in friendship, in community. I want to talk about unlocking, what it looks like to unlock relational wealth in our life by understanding that loyalty has a reputation. Loyalty has a reputation. You can write that down as well. I mean, the friends you want in your corner are those that have a track record this is what reputation looks like, a track record of consistency in many areas of their life. I want people in my life, around my life, in my close circle, that have a good reputation of loyalty in their life, loyalty to the cause that they've committed to. Maybe it's their career, it's their job, maybe it's their relationships that they've had or they have. It's the, the marriage relationships, the family, like, I look at, you know, quality friends that are in my corner, and I want them to have a track record of consistency. I don't want people around me speaking into my ear that are up and down constantly, all around, everywhere. Like, we want these people that are, are have a track record and a good reputation of loyalty because eventually it will affect you. I'm not saying we don't associate with people like that. I'm not saying we don't have friendships like that. But the closest people that you want around your life you want them to have a good reputation. And of course, there's grace and there's mercy and you know maybe some stuff happened. Doesn't mean you separate yourself from them, but in the end, the people that you want closest and around you in your corner, cheering you on, supporting you, walking with you, loving on you, encouraging you, you want them to have a good track record of loyalty, a good reputation. I wanna pray something right now. God, I pray right now for those watching that may feel that they do not have this, that you'd begin to send good people around their life to encourage them, to support them, to befriend them, to walk with them, to journey with them in this season. God, I pray that you'd surround people, uh, or surround those that are watching right now with good people that will take them higher, that will take them deeper, that will take them beyond where they are right now, in Jesus' name, amen. That's the heart of all of us, we wanna go higher, right? Well, we need to surround ourselves. We have those that we are called to influence, we have those that are called to, we're called to lead, we have those that we're called to pour into and invest into, those that we're called to help and nurture and invest in, and we also have those that are called to us to help champion us, to move us forward too. And then we have those peer level relationships that inspire us and encourage us to move forward and to not give up and to persevere. And in those spaces and those places and those relationships, we also need to find loyalty and a good reputation. Let's go back to the, the Proverbs though that, that Solomon wrote. I wanna read this again. Proverbs chapter three, verse three, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck, carve their initials on your heart. And this is what I wanna, I wanna hone in on right now is earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and the eyes of the people. Earn a reputation. Reputation is something that you grow into. It's something that progresses. You don't have a good reputation overnight. 
You can lose a good reputation overnight, but you don't get a good reputation overnight. It's something that we progress into. There's a process of earning a reputation, being faithful, being perseverant, being consistent. And all of that looks like loyalty for living well in God's eyes. And so first, first, it's God's eyes and the eyes of the people. I mean, all throughout scripture, you know, we're encouraged to live blameless, to live a blameless life, and to live above reproach. All these things we're encouraged, and it's a struggle, and it's a challenge at times. We wanna make sure that, like, we live far above the bar that society sets for us. Society sets such a low bar, but God has a higher bar, and the only way we can live up to God's bar and God's standard is by his grace because the bible even says this it's part of the it's part of the romans road gospel for the wages of sin is death in fact nobody nobody can reach salvation except through grace except through by faith and the bible also says very clearly that all have fallen short of God's glorious standard we've all fallen short so we can't hit God's standard except by his grace through faith. We have to accept God's grace so we can meet his standard, live above reproach, live above the snake line of life where everybody else is kind of, you know, expecting us to live by. We can live beyond that because of his grace. So earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and eyes of the people. Reputation, and I want you to write this down, reputation follows loyalty. Reputation follows loyalty. And I want to ask you a question. How many out there listening right now have had best friends for more than 20 years or 10 years, 15 years, you know, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years? I mean, I know, you know, so many people out there watching, you've been married for maybe 50 years, and that's awesome. And congratulations on that, maybe 60 years. I'm talking about not just marriage relationships here. I'm talking about friendships where you've weathered storms, you've weathered tough times. I have I have very close friends. I've always had, uh, you know, uh, lots of friends. I've always had acquaintances, and I've also had very close friends. I've had friends, I have one friend, a best friend for over 33 years, and we've weathered many, many tough times up and down, and we're stronger than we've ever been because every time we make it through a tough time, that tough time strengthens the relationships. I have friends, good, really best, I have best friends for over 28 years, best friends for over 20 years. And I'm so thankful for these people because even though maybe there was seasons where we weren't as close, every time we come back, it's like there's a brotherhood there. There's a connection there. There's a trust there. I know this person's got my back and they know that I have their back. Even though there's been time to, when maybe there was a little bit of separation or tough times separated us or distance, travel, or whatever the case may be, living in different parts of the world separated us. When we come back together, there's solid, strong friendship. So loyalty really is time-tested, circumstantially tested, and emotionally tested. Write that down. Loyalty is time-tested, circumstantially tested, and emotionally tested emotionally tested. I'm like, I, I think back to many seasons of my life before I knew Jesus. I mean, when I was in, uh, you know, doing things that weren't necessarily good for my body and I was partying and doing whatever I was doing and just kind of searching for trying to fill the void in my life, didn't know God, didn't have a relationship with God in my life. And I, there was times where I was wild and in my wild seasons and in my wild times, 
I often would get into, I would pick fights in dangerous scenarios, whether it was at a club or at a bar or on the street, I would pick fights. And thank God for my friends that always stood up for me because when you pick a fight and you're not all there, you probably are gonna lose every time. And I remember, I have, vi I have vivid memories of getting out of situations because I had good friends in my corner that would stand up for me. Now, that's a, a, a pre-Jesus example. Um, but just to give you an example of the power of loyalty in your life and the power of time-tested friendship. Now, fast forward, I, I meet Jesus and I'm leading outreaches and I'm leading on the street and I'm leading in situations that are very um, opposition-oriented. I remember one time I was down at Mardi Gras leading a team and uh, uh, I think my team was probably about 40 people at the time and I was part of this bigger event that was about 350 people and we were on the street at Mardi Gras loving on those <clears throat> on the street during the craziest, wildest party in New Orleans years ago. And I remember this one guy that I had brought from Canada. We were on the street and he this guy was bigger than I was, um, but this guy was, it was one of his first times in an environment like this, like talking about his faith, sharing his faith, praying for people. This one guy got into this conversation and I was kind of like on this other part of the street and I kind of was watching, um, knowing that he was new. I had been doing this for some time at this point and I was used to this environment. Um, and this big, big dude like was getting in my one of my team members' face. And this was this guy was bigger than the guy that I was that was on my team, like way bigger. I mean, probably almost like by one and a half times the size of me, this guy. Massive, I mean, muscles popping out of his face, like everywhere. And I remember this guy was in this in my team member's face, and the guy, the guy grabbed my team member by the shirt and was threatening him and was about to like knock him out literally. And I remember this adrenaline came over, this love and loyalty over for my team member came over me and I stepped in, even though I would have got like smushed, like literally smushed. There would have been no chance for me. This guy was literally massive and uh, felt like a threat at the time. And I stepped in, I grabbed the guy off of my team member and broke up this, this fight. And I just remember feeling and knowing in that moment, like seeing on my team member's face, wow, like my leader has my back. Even though I was risking a lot in that moment, and thank God for God's grace, it was like God's power and grace came on me and kind of settled this one guy down. And as I moved him off aggressively, and thank God I didn't get my butt kicked. But anyways, long story short, I remember after this conversation and this engagement with my team member, it was I could see this guy was so thankful that I had his back, that I had love for him, but I had loyalty to stand up for him in a time that was maybe scary for him. And so this is what loyalty looks like. We have each other's back. Loyalty, I believe, is the precursor of a good reputation. So I wanna talk about a few things today. That was my introduction, laying some groundwork for you. If loyalty has a reputation, I wanna talk about how to inspect, how to inspect that reputation in ourselves and in others. How do we how do we address or how do we inspect, how do we analyze whether someone has a good reputation in this area? But I, I really want this not to be about so much about people around us, although that's a part of it, but I want it to be also about us. Do we see this in ourselves? And how can we grow? How can we be encouraged to step out and become stronger in this area? Number one, number one, it doesn't quit. Write that down, doesn't quit doesn't quit. If you are trying to figure out if you have a good reputation in the area of loyalty, 
I want you to look at your life and analyze your life, self-reflect for a second. Are you a quitter when it gets hard? Because loyalty doesn't quit. I'm not saying loyalty doesn't move on. I really want to help us understand language for a second. Quitting, I'm talking about quitting in the negative sense. I'm not talking about like you stay in a situation, relationship, toxic scenario, um, you know, bad career choice and suffer for the rest of your life because you want to be loyal. You're in a horrible church and you stay there because you want to be loyal. Like, I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about quitting when it gets hard, okay? I'm talking about giving up when it gets hard. I'm not talking about moving on when you need to. Two different things. So don't hear me say that if you've quit before a situation that you're just a horrible, unloyal person. I'm not saying that. But I want you to analyze your life. How many times did you quit, though, just when it was hard? Not because you felt God was moving you on. Maybe you felt like God was moving you on. Maybe you felt like God was telling you to move and advance. But I want you to analyze yourself and say, really, was that what God was doing? Or did I just move on from that relationship, that friendship? Did I give up on that community? Did I give up on that organization? Did I give up on that job, that career, that business idea, whatever, because it was hard? Because loyalty doesn't quit. Is loyalty something you give based upon conditions being met? Because if you give loyalty based upon conditions being met, it won't last long. Nothing will last long in your life if that is your if, if that's sort of your perspective on what loyalty looks like and should be. Are you, are you loyal because of the conditions? If you fulfill A, B, C, D, E, I'm all in. You know, if you, if you have that, it's like going into marriage. If you go into marriage by saying, okay, if you wife or if you husband commit and do all these A, B, C, D, E, I'm in. But how do you know it's going to happen tomorrow? You can say you commit all you want. In the end, it's in sickness and in health. I mean, and really the, the premise of covenant in marriage, the vows are whatever happens, whatever storm comes your way, and all the conditions are being broken, I'm still committed and loyal to the relationship. And this is why we do need to spiritualize things because when God is leading us and we can trust him as the one who's called us, there's a never a quit. God never calls us to quit. God calls us to transition, calls us to move forward because he's leading us, but doesn't call us to quit in the negative sense, okay? Where quitting is like, I give up, once again, because it's hard, it's tough. I can't do this. Let me say this. Um, we are loyal first to God and his calling over our lives. In fact, you can't, you, you can't separate those two. When you're loyal to God, you're loyal to his leading, and his leading is is wrapped up in his calling and purpose over your life. I'm not talking about your specific job, your mission. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everything you do, no matter where you do it, you're living in his calling if you're being led by him, okay? Every every area of life, whether it's family, personal life, business, career, ministry, church, whatever it is you do, whatever it is you do is secondary, okay? Because you can fulfill his calling in whatever, in whatever situation and ever scenario of life. So we are loyal to God first and his calling over our lives. If we can get that, that's why I wanted, I wanted to say, I said this earlier, we need to spiritualize this. If we can live from that premise, we will never give up when it's hard because loyalty is perseverance. Loyalty looks like perseverance. Let me read this to you, this proverb, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, in talking about what I'm talking about here, just to continue to 
not drag this on, but go a little deeper. A true friend loves regardless of the situation. And a real brother exists to share the tough times. And I love the language here, to share in the tough times, to share. There's a, when you're in good relationship, you share the tough times together. The Bible talks about the law of the Lord is carrying each other's burdens. Galatians talks about that. So when we carry each other's burdens, it's as though we are firmly making the statement that I'm loyal to you no matter the, no matter no matter what happens, no matter what. Now, this word for tough times really is the word adversity. And if you break this down, it literally can mean affliction, anguish, distress, tribulation, or trouble. So whatever it is that you're going through, a true friend loves regardless of the situation. You can apply marriage. True marriage loves regardless of the situation. True loyalty, true perseverance, true a good reputation in the area of loyalty looks like loving regardless of the situation. And there's a, a, a there's this sharing of tough times that takes place. Real friends and their loyalty come forth in the midst of hard times. Really, hard times are simply a magnifier of what's already there, okay? Here, here's the reality. Every time you go through a hard time, what manifests within you was not something new. So maybe anger comes up, maybe shame, guilt, fear, maybe you lose it, you start, you know, doing stupid crap, dumb things, and you're getting yourself into a, a deeper mess that's going to lead your life down to dis in destruction. Listen, here's the thing. When you go through a hard time and the fire, this fire is turned up in your life, it just brings all the dross, all the impurities to the surface. That's what happens when you purify gold. You put it in the fire. It just brings out all the things that were already there. So we often think, wow, like this tough time is making me do this, or we excuse our, our bad decisions because of a tough time we're going through, and we try to pawn it off as in like, that wasn't me, that was just a tough time. Well, no, really, that was always there within you. There was a cracked foundation. There was some things that you built your life on that maybe weren't strong and right, and now this tough time is simply magnifying in you what was always there. That's why I'm thankful for tough times. I'm thankful because... That's why James says, count it all joy when you face trials of all kinds, okay? Because something's being produced in you. And, and I love it because in the production process of tough times of your life, there is also an extraction process. Both production is happening, something's being produced in you, something fresh, something stronger, new form, formation of character, stronger character, you know, uh, more perseverance. All these kind of things are happening in you. At the same time, production is happening in you, extraction is also happening in you. Renovation is happening in you. Renewal is happening in you. Old things are continuing to be pulled out or old mindsets, old ways of thinking are continuing to be taken out of the process so God can continue transforming your life. So I'm thankful for these moments, but I think so many of us miss it in hard times. We aren't able to become aware that what's coming up right now in me was just always there. And this is an opportunity for me to grow through it as I go through it. Okay, write that down. If we don't grow through it, we will not be able to go through it, go through it. You know, when we, when we run from the process, we run from the trial, we don't grow and we don't go. 
and we go back to, we end up rewinding back to old patterns of life. And, and this, is, this is where we get reputation, you guys. If we don't conquer and we keep living in that pattern, we do not earn a good reputation with God and with people. And this is what we're talking about today. I mean, I said this, real friends and their loyalty come forth in the midst of hard times. I mean, David had his three. You can read in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. Da David had his three mighty men. He had more than that, but he had three main guys that had his back. Jesus also had three. That didn't totally turn out kind of a bad example because they, when he died, they were confused, discouraged. They kind of all went back to their old way of living. One of them actually even denied him three times. Uh, in the end, it all turned out good, but there was some moments where their loyalty was tested and their loyalty kind of looked and appeared like it failed. But in the end, it won, okay? And so even though we may be unloyal for a moment, we can still come back, which is the redemptive side of the story of the three around Jesus. Uh, but, uh, you know, David had his three. Write this down also. I think this is powerful. Convenience is the thief of loyalty. Convenience is the thief of loyalty. Let me explain this. It's convenient to quit when our loyalty is being tested. Quit in marriage when it's hard, our jobs and relationships, on the thing God has purposed for us to live out and do. It's really, really easy. It's convenient. Like, giving up is the most convenient thing to do. It is so inconvenient to persevere. It's so inconvenient to keep on going. It's so inconvenient to make the necessary sacrifices to build the thing that God's called you to build in the midst of discouragement and despair. It's so inconvenient. And that's why convenience, I think, is one of the greatest thieves of loyalty. You want loyalty to be taken from you, robbed from you? Let convenience lead your life. I think that the spirit-led spirit -led life looks like inconvenient decision after inconvenient decision. Inconvenient decision after inconvenient decision. I have been, and I have friends that have been loyal to me when I'm at, I've been at my worst, and I have been friends to people and been loyal to them when they've been at their worst. Tough times truly test the friendship. Don't be a quitter. Don't give up on friendship. Don't give up on relationship. Don't give up on what you've committed and are loyal to because it's hard. Number two, remains undivided. We want to test um, the reputation of what loyalty looks like. Remains undivided. Live, living in the tension, okay? And I've talked about this before, the danger of gray. The danger of gray. I had a whole message around the danger of the gray, the gray zone, the middle, the neutral zone. The, what the Bible calls the lukewarm zone, in the middle. You're not making a yes over here, you're not saying a yes over here, okay? Living in the tension, living in the middle, the gray zone for too long will tear you apart, okay? Because when you're in the middle on, on, on specific topics that are important for your life, values, stances, you know, um, you know or faith-oriented things, when you stand in the middle, Event, like, and you're being pulled, even in friendships and relationships. You stand in the middle, and you can be some, become so diplomatic, so peacemaker-oriented that you actually ruin your life and actually ruin the relationships because you don't... I'm not saying take a side, but at some level, if you don't take a stand, okay? It's one thing to take a side, but it's a whole other thing to take a stand. If you don't stand for what you believe and even know what you believe, eventually, okay, eventually... Not taking the stand for what you believe will tear you apart. 
I mean, Jesus said it like this, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus also said in Matthew, you cannot love both God and money. And he takes the two and he says, like, you're going to hate the one and love the year. You're going to despise one or the other. Like, you can't be in on both. You can't love both God and love money. Remember, it's the love of money. It's the worship, the idolization, the idolatry of money, okay? Pick a side, he's basically saying. Either you love God or you love money. You can't have both. Jesus said, being lukewarm through the vision that John was having in the book of Revelation, being lukewarm is like vomit in the mouth. That's disgusting. Think about the image for a second. If you're in the middle on, on your stance with God, okay, you want to be in, you know, part in, like, I, I love what the world has to offer. I love what God has to offer. And you're kind of on the fence. In that space, you're considered lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. And that is related to and illustrated by this idea of vomit, the most disgusting, uh, uh, nobody wants vomit in their mouth, so they're going to spit it out of their mouth, right? They're going to get it out. Like, your, your body rejects, is rejecting it. It's you're, you're, You can't live in that space for very long. Should I go on? I mean, this is all throughout Scripture. Remaining undivided, I believe, is a key, is a key to remain loyal, Loyalty is absolutely key to kingdom living. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 33. I'm just going to read one part of the verse. From Zebulun, experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty. David, as king of Israel, I mean, he's up against all kinds of stuff, battles and wars and tension. People want to take him out. And yet, there were people around David to help walk with him, support him with an undivided, it wasn't just a loyalty, it was an undivided loyalty. This word for undivided literally means to flock together. It means to, um, their loyalty was unquestioned. That's what it means, to be unquestioned. Their loyalty was unquestioned, ready to give their undivided loyalty. They followed, and other translations would say, they followed David completely. In one commentary, it writes, which is actually in McLaren's Exposition, which is a commentary on this passage. I want to read a part of this commentary for you. It's McLaren's Exposition on this one verse specifically. Our text is spoken of the warriors of Zebulon who had left their hills and their flocks in the far north. They had left something, okay? They had left something to be loyal to something else, okay? They left their flocks in the far north and poured down from their seats by the blue waters of Tiberias to gather around their king. They were not only like their brethren, expert in war and fully equipped, but they had some measure of discipline too, a rare thing in the days when there were no standing armies. They could keep rank, could march together, had been drilled to some unanimity of step and action, could work and fight together, were an army, not a crowd. I love that. They were an army, not a crowd. And not only so, but also they were not of double heart. This is so key. They were not of double heart. Each man and the whole body had a brave single resolve. They had one spirit animating the whole. I love that. I love the language of that. One spirit animating the whole, representing the whole. And that was to make David king. An enthusiastic loyalty which made them brave and a discipline which kept the courage from running to waste. I take then this text as bringing before us two very important characteristics which ought to be found in every Christian church. 
and without which no real prosperity and growth is possible. These two may be put very briefly, organization and enthusiastic devotion. There are both, these are both important, but in varying, but in very different degrees. And I just love how he breaks down for us this verse of what undivided loyalty looked like for for David. And I love how they, they, they keep in rank and there was this like, this unity that animated the whole and they were in one spirit, they were brave, they were disciplined. And I believe if we can apply these virtues to our friendships, we can apply these virtues to the causes that we are committing to, apply these virtues to the careers that we have committed to, our marriages, our families, man, something would happen. There'd be a revival in all of those areas. Let me ask you the question, who is your flock? Remember the one part that I read in the beginning about undivided loyalty, you flock, we flock together, those that flock together. Who is your flock? Who's around you? Who is around you that's unquestioned in a sense? Who is walking with you? These are very important questions to ask yourself consistently. And if we don't feel like we have them, let's pray. Let's pray them into our lives. There's power in prayer. Number three, number three, always believes the best first. Love this. You want to understand or learn how to inspect whether someone has a good reputation in the area of loyalty? Always believes the best first. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready. Let me just pause there. Selah moment. Is ever ready, always ready, to believe the best of every person. To believe the best of every person. This is a challenge, you guys, in a society that is so divided right now. To believe first the best in your friend's motives in your relationship, your marriage relationships motives, in your kids' motives, in your boss's manager, your supervisor, your leader's motives. I mean, this is a challenge today to believe the best. We are always quick to assume the worst. There's always an agenda, always a wrong motive. Something's wrong, something's off. We're a quick, we're a lot more quick to assume the worst the same way that we're often quick to be angry and talk and 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 not slow or and slow to listen. We need to be quick to listen and slow to be angry. We need to choose to believe the best first and then work that out from there. This is huge especially against the rumor mill that is social media today. Social media is infused and infected with crazy wild rumors and gossip constantly about everybody out there, about every political leader, every leader, everybody that has public platform. There's just, it's everywhere all the time. You walk into Shoppers Drug Mart and the first thing you see is these, you know, newspaper, these false, crazy, wild, I'm like, I don't even know who buys those things. Like, does anybody actually buy those crazy tabloid, like, newspapers that are always sharing the latest, greatest, stupid gossip news? Like, I don't even know, like, who actually buys into this stuff? Like, is it fun to read it? I just don't know. Maybe someone out there, you like it, whatever. But in the end, you guys, it's gossip. It has no value. It has no substance. 
It, it doesn't allow you to believe the best in anything when all you do is hear the worst of everything and the worst of everyone. And this is affects the church. It affects the business world, government. Every area of society has to war against this, choosing to believe the best, choosing to believe the higher report. I, man, like I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I, I have had to um, not only stand up for friends, leaders, have their backs, people try to like trash talk them, gossip them, then and help them try to see that they're not doing this, that they're not doing even Christian leaders where they're attacking other Christian leaders. And I'm having conversations with them and like, man, you don't even know this person. Like, are you reading 1 Corinthians 13? Like your first response is to believe the worst. What happened to love? What happened to believing the best? What happened to relationship? Yeah, you heard the rumor, you heard the gossip, but have you ever actually had a conversation with this individual? No. So how is it that you can't choose just to believe the best when really in the end it has no even bearing on you, has no effect on you or impact on you? You just like the gossip. You just like to share the rumor, the latest, greatest rumor. I've had so many conversations, hundreds, thousands, where I've had to help leaders of all kinds, of all sorts, help to believe the best first in people, people that I know personally, that they are against, that they believe the worst in. It's a constant battle. We need uh, a Holy Ghost detox in this area. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, even right now, to infuse 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, into our hearts, that we would start believing the best, the higher report in Jesus name and I, I just remember this one time it was like mind-blowing it was like totally a God thing but I was on a boat with somebody another leader in the city who was leading a church I didn't know this individual very well but this guy started to trash talk another leader that I'm very close to in the city that I have very close to relationship and he had no idea that I knew this guy that I was this close and it was like just, it wasn't an awkward conversation. I think it was a holy, convicting, like, you know, like God is speaking type conversation because I, I had the chance to really help him see that what he was seeing was based upon things, first of all, that weren't even true, but also because of a lack of relationship. And this is where often we struggle. We don't have the relationship. It's very easy to believe the worst in people. Number four, number four, also walks the walk, walks the walk, has no other agenda than being constantly loyal and trustworthy. Let me ask you this question, is loyalty to be given in measure? Like in the sense of I'm loyal, you know, when my boss is watching, I'm loyal when my leader is present, but then behind closed doors, everything that my life looks like is not loyal. I'm loyal when the friend that I'm saying I'm loyal to is in the room. But then when the friend is out of the room, it appears though as though I'm not loyal. Like I have a motive, like I want to please this individual, but I'm not truly loyal to this individual. I'm not truly loyal to my husband, my wife, my friends, my coworkers behind their back. It's like I'm living a different life. Well, the Bible actually addresses this. And really this is, this is where ulterior motives live and agenda oriented relationships live. But Matthew 24, verse 45 addresses this. 
Who here, I mean, it's, it's out of the message translation. Who here qualifies for the job of overseeing the kitchen? Who here qualifies? A person that the master can depend on to feed the workers on time each day. Someone the master can drop in on unannounced and always find him doing his job. A God-blessed man or woman. I tell you, so who's qualified to oversee? Someone that, no matter if the boss is there or the boss is not there, is exhibiting loyalty. And I want to put the word friend. I want to put the word wife, husband. I want to put the word, if you want responsibility, you want favor, you want to grow and mature as a leader, be who you are, walk the walk in private and walk the walk in public. Don't just walk the walk in public when everybody's watching. Walk the walk in private when nobody's watching. I tell you, I won't be lo- I won't be long before it won't be long before the master will put this person in charge of the whole operation. It speaks of favor, it speaks of responsibility, trustworthiness, stewardship that goes noticed. Write this down. The appearance of loyalty carries an agenda and an ulterior motive. But true loyalty, I believe, is the motive. True loyalty is the motive. Loyalty is not something you turn on and off. It's a part of who you are supposed to be. And so it's so easy. It's so easy to live in a people-pleasing uh, people-pleasing mentality and have the appearance of loyalty in one moment, but then in another moment, literally live out the opposite. We don't, we're not walking the walk because there's an ulterior motive to be loved, to be liked. And this can't be what drives our lives. It can't be what motivates our lives. What needs to motivate our life is just loyalty, period, because true loyalty needs to be the motive. I want to encourage us to walk the walk. I want to encourage us to live what we live out in private, in public, to be loyal to what God has put in our path. I mean, this was Jesus's life. This was what he was about. He walked the walk and he walked a really hard walk. He walked a brutal walk in the last part of his life. And it was the walk to the cross. It was the walk where he was beat up, he was spit on, he was reviled, he was uh, whipped, his his insides, literally his organs and his back area were exposed, whipped 39 times, blood coming out of all parts of his body. He had a crown of thorns put on his head, blood pouring down his face, carrying this crazy 185-pound cross up this crazy hill. He was literally walking the walk. That walk was, I said I was going to die. I said I was going to resurrect. I said I was going to change the game for all humanity. And this is what I need to do to do that. He walked the walk. He was loyal to his cause. He earned a good reputation from the Father because he was loyal to the cause, because he surrendered to the will of the Father. He said, I'll drink drink the cup of death. I don't want to in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't want to drink it. It's too hard. It's suffering. This is going to hurt like hell but I'm willing to take the hit. I'm willing to be loyal to the Father, loyal to humanity, to commit to the cause. The Bible says it was for the joy 
the joy that was set before him, that he endured the cross. You were the joy. The people that are watching right now, the people of the entire world were his joy. They were in the forefront of his focus and his mind. And because those people were there, he was able to endure and walk the walk, be loyal to dying on the cross and resurrecting so we could have new life. We could become a new creation. This is what the gospel is all about. On the cross, he finished the work of salvation that you could never earn by your good works. He finished the work. That's why the Bible says, he said it, it is finished. What was finished? The work of your salvation. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is take the gift of eternal life that he's given to you and unwrap it and jump all in and say yes. And when you do, you receive the forgiveness of God. When you put Jesus first, you put him as Lord over your life. It's the step to move forward in relationship with him. When you believe that he was in fact, not like any other small g God that died, he actually resurrected. This is Romans 10, that you believe that he resurrected after the third day. When you align your mouth, your life, and your heart with that truth, the Bible says you will be saved. All things become new. Second Corinthians chapter 5, all things become new. You become a new creation. The word is kainos in the Greek. A new, slated, clean, fresh start creation. All things are brand new. This is the message of hope. This is the loyal, this is the walk of, uh, of loyalty that Jesus walked on your behalf so you so you can live out the fullness of what God has for you on this earth. If you're watching today, you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never opened your heart. I want to encourage you this today, right now in this moment, whether you're listening after the fact, whether you're watching live with us right now, whether you're listening in the car, you've never said yes to Jesus, surrendered all of yourself to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity just to say yes. Say, yes, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I confess that you are Lord, you are, you are King, I want to be loyal to you as you've been faithful and loyal to me, even when I didn't even know it, even when I was not loyal to you and I was undivided or I was divided in, sorry, divided in my loyalty. I was, I was rejecting your love in my life. You were loyal. You were faithful. You were pouring out your love to, to me all the time. Today, I'm going to receive that love. I'm going to receive that forgiveness. I'm going to make you Lord over my life. I want to walk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. If you said that, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And I want to encourage you to let us know so we can pray for you, so we can support you along this journey. Just, just email the email on the screen, and we would love to be a part of your journey. For the rest of us right now, I really feel in my spirit that God wants to put this understanding of the value of consistency in our life, to understand what loyal, how loyalty is so connected to perseverance. And maybe you just feel like giving up in this season. It's not a God move. It's not a God transition. And you kind of know it, but you just want to give up. And you're claiming it as a God transition because it's too painful for you to keep on going. I just pray for you today that God would give you the strength to keep on going, the strength to remain loyal, the strength of perseverance, so that like we've read in Proverbs chapter three, that you could literally wear this, this necklace of love and loyalty around your neck. You could carve 
this in your heart and make it something that drives your life, earning a good reputation with God and with people. This is my prayer for you today. And I pray that is that God would surround you with amazing people in your corner in this season to champion the amazing purpose of God in and through your life in Jesus' name. So God, do it. I just thank you for all those watching. I pray that you would do the impossible right now where there's discouragement and despair, you would put strength in that area of our life in Jesus' name. Give us perseverance. Give us new hope. Give us encouragement right now to keep on going, to keep on moving. We want to be people of good reputation. We want to be people that leave a legacy for the next generation. And part of that legacy is a good reputation. Love and loyalty, God. Put it around our necks today in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, Kingdom Culture praying for you, praying for the community. Thanks to all those watching for the first time. Make sure to share this broadcast, and we will see you next week.